Okay. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Okay, let's pray. Father, we invite the presence of your Holy Spirit to come and minister to us, to show us the word, to bring revelation and understanding, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to again emphasize the leading of the Holy Spirit to the still small voice. Because that's the most common way you will receive the direction of God for your life. And this is where you really need to be established in belief and also in practice. Okay? Verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Underline that. The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Everyone say, a still small voice. Underline that in your Bible. So it was when Elijah heard it. Now, question. What did Elijah hear? The still small voice. Did Elijah hear the wind? Did Elijah experience the earthquake? Did Elijah see the fire? But did he respond? No. When Elijah heard the still small voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah is a prophet, experienced, walked with God for many years, used by God to declare prophecies, to declare the revelation of God to kings and also to common people. So by now I'm sure he has established a certain expertise in the way that God operates, in the way of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is important for us to understand. Now, when the wind comes, and the wind was so strong that the Bible says it tore into the mountains. Have you ever seen a wind like that? Any one of you? No. Have you seen a wind that will come and just remove Mount Jafu from its place? No. So this wind was pretty spectacular. It was quite an amazing sight. The wind tore into the mountain. And yet God was not in the wind. Earthquake came. It was shaking. God was not in the earthquake. Then there was fire. God was not in the fire. Now, fire, earthquake, wind. Are they spectacular? Yes or no? By looking at them, can you be impressed? You will say, wow. Right? If we are very superstitious people, and there's earthquake, we will say, oh, God, God, God is speaking to us. 
rather wrong. During COVID time, many in the church began to say that COVID is from God, God judging the earth. Okay. So, the lesson here is that in the still small voice, God was there. God was in the still small voice. And Elijah heard it, and Elijah responded to the still small voice. Like I said before, many Christians look for the spectacular and they miss the divine. Many Christians look for spectacular and they miss God. I have seen this so many times. Young people come into revival meetings, worship nights, and then there is good preaching. And then, of course, people are coming to the altar call. And then we begin to lay hands on them. And suddenly, it's like wind. Ah, ah, people are falling. People are crying. People are laughing. People are falling. 10, 20 people falling at the same time. So like earthquake. And the preacher goes, fire, fire, fire. Everyone is shaking around the floor. And then, after the meeting is over, those people go back home. And they never change. I'm not saying don't let it happen to you. There's nothing wrong. But I've noticed that many of those people, they never change. They come back the next revival meeting, and the same thing happens. And what usually we also say is, that, wow, God was there, man. Power. Amazing. Because a lot of things happened. But then if we analyze the fruit of the 10 years, we find that the people really did not grow. I'm not saying all the time it happens like that, no. But usually sometimes, even after all those encounters, people's lives are not transformed. Now, there's nothing wrong in those things happening, people falling, crying, and all that, because God does work in their lives. Okay? But understand this. That is public anointing. That is ministry anointing. That is how the anointing is flowing corporately. Right? Now, when they go back home, they never learn to sit quietly before God, reading His Word and praying, and listen to the witness of the Spirit, the voice of their Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit. They never listen to that. Because that is what will teach you how to read the Scriptures, how to obey, how to forgive, how to walk in patience, how to be obedient, how to be committed, how to be faithful. That voice teaches you to do those things. When the anointing of God comes and breaks the yoke of Satan over your life, that's for ministry. Even as preachers. And let me also tell you this. People who go on revival meetings, preachers, prayer warriors, sometimes we get so used to the public ministry. We like to go and say, hallelujah, hallelujah, wonderful, God was there. We enjoy the presence of God there, right? That's all public ministry. That's all anointing for public. And then those same people, prayer warriors, preachers, worship team, can go back home. And instead of letting the Holy Spirit inside you, minister to you, guide you, teach you, show you 
how you should conduct your finances, your integrity relationships. We don't build that. Somehow this deception is there. We think that because of public anointing and public corporate ministry, we will just be blessed. But that's what we do to serve outwardly to the multitudes and to the body of Christ. But that's for public, for personally me, my walk with God, right? My hearing from God, God guiding me, God teaching me, God showing me, that has to do with my personal, individual relationship, which is the anointing of the Spirit within me. Did you follow? That's why you can have, you know, concert services where present worship team also, God uses them because, yeah, it's the grace of God. They're on the stage, they can sing well, people are falling, ah, but the worship leader also is very carnal. Have you seen us? Yeah, it happens. Worship leader, his gift is manifesting, but his own life is not transformed. Musicians also. Their own life is not transformed. But wow, it was powerful. Oh, everyone was so blessed. But they go back home and there is no blessing in their life. There's no victory in their life. There's no growth in their life. There's no transformation in their life. These are real things that are happening today in the body of Christ. And it's not only my observation. Many of my pastor friends, they say the same things. A lot of anointed worship leaders are broke. They do not know how to maintain their finances. They don't have the blessing of God in many areas of their lives. They have the gift. God's using them, but still, they're not having victory in every area of their lives. Listen, when you're out there ministering to the public, it's for the public. God's using you for them. Amen. But for you yourself, see, you have to practice hearing from the Holy Spirit yourself. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Because these very people will not train themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit, to submit to the Holy Spirit, to obey the Holy Spirit. So even though the ministry may be popular and also wonderful for some time, yet personally, individually, they're not growing. Amen. See, the still small voice is very important. Elijah was just waiting for the still small voice. The wind came, the earthquake came, the fire came, but he just, I'm, I'm waiting for the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. So when the word of the Lord came, the still more small voice, Elijah responded to it. And when Elijah responded to it, God gave him instructions. This is what you do. And Elijah followed that instruction. Amen. If you will train yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit, meditating on the Word, practicing the Word, Amen. Obeying the Word, obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And even though you may make mistakes once, twice, not condemning yourself, but just continuing to be conscious of Him, Yielding to Him, obeying Him. God can train you, sharpen you, and God can really bring you to a place where you are blessed and you are a blessing to so many others. It's the leading of the Spirit. 
Why do some people's ministries, God blesses them, they increase from glory to glory, and some people's ministry remains the same for years? Well, one difference is this. Some people are trying to serve God by the intellect, in the ways of the world. They think that if I do five years, promotions will come. If I do ten years, promotions will come, like government. But God does not move in a life like how the government promotes its employees. Remember, the cloud can stay for two days, one week, one year also. Right? You just have to follow the cloud. But if you follow the cloud, the cloud will always bring you to where you should be. Because the cloud is the Holy Spirit leading you. Right? Now when the cloud lifts, it may be because the enemies of Israel are coming. Israel doesn't know. So the cloud lifts so that Israel can leave that place and the enemies are shocked. Where are they? We can't find them. So when God is leading you, always obey, even if it doesn't make sense. God could be protecting you. God could be setting you up for a blessing, a miracle. God could be surprising you. God could be bringing an opportunity in your life. You never know. It's by simple obedience that you see the miracles of God. Remember when God, when Jesus told the servants at the wedding of Cana? What did Jesus say? Fill the water pots with water. So when the servants first went to the water, was it wine? It wasn't wine. How many water pots? There were so many. Stone, they have to carry. Right? Or clay. The servants could be complaining. We work in this wedding. Like in the wedding, how many days you work for? Nowadays we have wedding planners. In those days, you must have worked for two or three weeks before the wedding, right? Cooking, cleaning, preparing. Servants are tired on the wedding day. They want to eat. They want to rest. But Jesus says, fill the water pots with water. So they have to go water pots filled with water. Oh, so boring. But then, just in simple obedience, as they pour the water into the water pots, wine is coming out. Wine. So, how can you turn your life into wine? What is wine? Wine is joy, isn't it? In the Bible, wine is a symbol of Harvest is a symbol of rejoicing. Wine is a symbol of joy, the joy of the Lord. I'm not talking about hard liquor, whiskey, rum. I'm talking about wine. <laughs> okay, wine. So, God wants us to be enjoying new wine. God wants to release new wine into every area of your life. Right? Now, your life is quite ordinary right now, isn't it? How can your life turn from ordinary to wine? Obey the Holy Spirit. He will make you look smart. He will make you look beautiful. He will make you look intelligent. He will make you look so blessed. The Holy Spirit can bless you in your business. Lead you. We had a lady come from Singapore to a church some years back to share about her life testimony. She works for DuPont. DuPont is a multinational company. She's a consultant for DuPont, chemical, electrical, uh, industrial. And she also graduated with a, master, with a PhD 
in the University of Singapore, one of the youngest PhDs. Now, while she was doing her PhD, she could not solve a particular problem. I think it was in chemicals or something like that. She could not, it was a scientific uh, study, so she could not solve. She was facing some problems, so she went to church. She asked Holy Spirit and prayed, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me how to, fo- how to solve this problem. We think Holy Spirit is only interested in healing, deliverance, prophecy, and preaching. Holy Spirit not interested in cooking. I tell you, Holy Spirit is a very good cook. So she went, and then she went to the altar call for prayer. The preacher prayed for her. She fell under the Spirit. Bang! And she was there in the Spirit. And then she saw the formula. The Holy Spirit revealed to her the formula. She saw it exactly in a picture. So she went immediately back to the university, and she tried the formula, and it worked. And she got a PhD. So, what she does is whenever she goes for consulting to different, different companies all over Asia, she will pray, ask the Holy Spirit, she will go in a meeting. She's talking to the Holy Spirit while she's having a meeting with the CEO, the executives. When she goes to the factory, she's asking the Holy Spirit, what about this, what about this? And the Holy Spirit speaks to her, ask this question, ask this question. This is the issue. And she keeps on following the Holy Spirit and she's able to have 100% track record of her consultancy. See, we think Holy Spirit is interested only in church stuff. No. The Holy Spirit is interested in everything God is interested. God is interested in the whole world. Amen. If you will build your relationship with the Spirit, it's not only for ministry, it's not only for anointing, it's not only for pulpit, it's for every area of your life. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to speak. The Holy Spirit can teach you manners. The Holy Spirit will teach you also what you should not eat. A pastor friend of mine was sharing with me about how this person in the church was quite fat. He was praying, believing, fasting, dieting to lose weight. He could not lose weight. So he just got frustrated. He asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to lose weight. The Holy Spirit gave him the witness in his heart. Eat two meals a day. That's it. Eat whatever you want, how much you want, but eat only twice. So he followed the instruction of the Holy Spirit. He did not have the burden or the guilt of, oh, I'm eating ice cream, oh, I'm eating bread, I should not. It's so, it's so burdensome to fast and also to diet. So he just followed the instruction. He ate whatever he wanted, how much he wanted. He just ate two times a day. And he just lost weight. Became slim. Because the Holy Spirit helped him to lose weight. What does having to lose weight have to do with the kingdom, right? Because God's interest is only in kingdom. Losing weight, that's very earthly. No. Your body is important. Because if your body gets sick and dies... You cannot do anything for God. Amen. That's why you need to take care of your body. Amen. That's why you need to live long. No matter how anointed you are, how much calling you have, it also depends on your body. If your body says, I give up, I'm not going anymore, finish. You can't do anything. So your body is important to God. That means what you eat is important to God. So the Holy Spirit can lead you 
and guide you into all these areas of your life. Amen. Let me teach you how you locate the still small voice, the voice of your spirit. Okay. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. Are you there? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Everyone say, my spirit. My spirit. Where is your spirit? Where? Your belly. Ah. So where are the words coming from? From this region. Right? I remember the first time I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was in the line. This preacher came and prayed for me. And the moment he laid his hands upon me, from within here, from the belly came, like that it came. But it was so tender. It was so soft. It was not wind, fire, earthquake. No. It was a still small that I just, I ate it back. I suppressed it. I said, I don't think this is it. I went back home. I was lying on my bed. Then I just felt the desire. Just keep on saying, sa, sa, sa. Sa, 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 sa. Then I look around. Is anyone watching me? I'm all alone in my bedroom, but I still feel embarrassed to pray in tongues. Anyone felt like that? Yes, it happens. Because you're not used to it. Sa, 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 sa. Eh, no, I just stopped. And at night when I'm sleeping again, the Holy Spirit gave me the desire. Just say it. For three months I struggled until I was taught better and I began to just keep on praying and praying until the language increased. Okay? Little babies can say baba, baba, baba. That's it. But even that is so cute. And as they grow up, more language comes, right? So it's like that. Even with tongues, it's like that. So, it came from here. So when you pray in a tongue, my spirit, it comes from your belly region. But my understanding, your mind, is unfruitful. So what is the conclusion? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. You can sing in tongues also. Okay? All right. So now, the operation of the Holy Spirit where you're praying in tongues. All right? This is the person. Right? This is the spirit. This is the mind. And this is the body, right? Where is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is here. One with the Lord, right? And... In Acts chapter 2 verse 4, the Bible says, And they were all speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So the Holy Spirit gives the utterance to your spirit man. So the exchange is happening here. Right? The Holy Spirit is connected directly to heaven. Right? So now you're praying in tongues. So where are the words originating from? From this region, right? Your spirit, right? You're praying by faith. 
But the words are coming from the mind? No. The words are coming from the mouth? No. Where are the words coming from? Here. By faith, it's coming out here. This is the channel in the spirit. Can you see it? Amen. Right? Now, your mind is involved in the process because you have chosen by your will, because you believe in the verse. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My understanding is unfruitful. I'm speaking to God. So in your mind, you're just holding on to this verse. I'm speaking to God, and you're praying in the spirit. What are you praying? You're praying divine mysteries. You're praying divine secrets. You're stirring up the anointing. You're edifying yourself. You are bringing rest to your weary soul. But where is the channel? From your belly. So, if you can locate this channel, what does it mean? It means you can locate the voice of the Spirit. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Okay, listen to me. I'm praying, okay? Father, I pray by faith. Praying in tongues by the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you are hearing it because the words are coming out of my mouth, right? But are the words coming from my mouth or from my spirit? Spirit. So it's coming from here. Right? So, what you can do is, the more you pray in tongues, the more you get conscious of the place where your spirit is and where the words are coming from. I'll just teach you a simple exercise. You pray in tongues for one minute and stop. But when you stop, when you stop here, the words are still coming, right? You choose to stop here, but the words are still coming. Yes or no? Even though you stop here, like once you start praying in tongues, it's like a train, isn't it? Yes or no? But the moment you stop praying here on the top, the words will still keep on coming, even though it doesn't come out of your mouth. Right? So you locate the place where the words come from. Okay? Let me show you. I'm praying in tongues. I kept quiet. But I could feel the words that were still coming. Right? The words were still coming. Now where did they come from? That's what we're going to practice today. So what I'm going to tell you is this. I'm going to tell you, start praying in tongues and you just start praying in the spirit. Okay. When you're praying in the spirit, just be conscious of your heart, conscious of your spirit. Just pray, just keep on praying, and I'll tell you to stop. But when you, when you stop, still be conscious where the word's coming from. Okay? You stop here, but it will still be coming. So you locate that channel. Any questions? All right. Okay. Let's lie back. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence in this room right now. Holy Spirit, teach us. Show us how to pray in other tongues. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Manifest your grace, your anointing. Right now we ask for your help as we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 
Okay. How many of you were able to locate that, that channel? Just raise your hands. Yeah. When you stop, the, can you still feel the words coming? Right? From, your, it's from deep inside you, isn't it? You can't feel that place, but you know it's coming from inside you. Right? Okay. That's where you will sense the witness of the Spirit. The voice of your Spirit and also the authoritative voice of the Spirit. It's that place. Did all of you experience it? Yes? Okay. Now, let me teach you again how to pray in tongues. Okay. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So you're speaking to God, or you're just speaking into the air? Who are you speaking to? God. When you're talking to your friend or your father, do you speak this way? Do you talk to your friends that way? How do you talk? No, no, no. Right? You talk like that, right? Yes or no? When you're talking to someone, you don't just go, No, you don't, you don't go like that. How do we learn to pray in tongues like that? Because of tradition. Because of just everyone's praying like that. But you're speaking to God. So, when you pray in tongues, pray as if you're talking to a person. Always believe, imagine there's a person in front of you. You're talking to a person. Okay? That's the first trick. Otherwise, what happens is people say, And they go at one speed. See, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So, praying in tongues is like a river. Have you been to a river? A river is, right? Fast, slow, sometimes fast, slow place, right? A river has so many different depths, so many different speeds, so many different sounds. So, you have to learn to flow with the Holy Spirit in your heart. That means when you're praying in tongues, connect with your heart. Connect with your spirit. Because as you're praying in tongues, and you're just connected to the spirit, and you're just meditating on the verses, what's going to happen is that you'll sense at times the Holy Spirit take over. See, usually when you begin to pray, we begin in faith. We begin by our actions, right? We just begin even though we don't feel any anointing. Yes or no? But as you're praying, sometimes the Holy Spirit just comes and takes over. And we lose track of time. Right? And we're just praying. We enjoy the presence of God so much. We pray, we pray. And we, oh, it, I thought it was five minutes, but it was two hours. Have you experienced that? See, that's when the Holy Spirit takes over. But sometimes even two minutes can be like two hours. Because you get so bored, right? So the key is not to pray from your mind, not to pray from your mouth, pray from here. Connect your mouth to your heart. Pray as if you're speaking to a person. And as you're praying, listen. Because he will speak back. Listen. Sometimes you pray in tongues and you just listen. What did this tongue mean? Just practice. And there are times your tongue will shift. Your tongue will change. Just flow with it. 
Don't fight that flow of the change. Sometimes it may turn to a different language. Normally you pray, but sometimes it may just be t t t t t for the. Sometimes it may sound like Chinese. Sometimes the main thing is you just keep on flowing with the Spirit. Okay, because that's the way the Holy Spirit draws you. Another point is this: when you're praying in tongues, we know that it comes from your innermost beings, right? So just enjoy that communion with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sharing to your spirit the right words to say. So it's like communion. It's like sharing. It's a deep, intimate moment you're having with the Spirit. So enjoy that moment of communion. Okay? And then praying in tongues will not be like a religious prayer. will not be like a duty. It will become like an exciting, engaging conversation with the Holy Spirit, with the Heavenly Father. And you will be like different journeys. A pastor friend of mine here, many years back, he shared with me this. One day he decided, I'm going to pray in tongues for one hour and see what happened. So he just prayed in tongues for one hour. And at the end of that hour, suddenly he heard a voice, the powerful voice of the Spirit in his heart. I love you. When he heard that, it became a revelation. It brought so much power and strength in his life. All right? So now let's pray again. And listen, how can you separate your soul and the spirit? One of the best ways is praying in tongues. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So that one hour that you pray, you're giving time to your spirit to control, to take over. And you become more conscious. So we're going to pray again for another 5 to 10 minutes. But this time, you're going to pray as if you're talking to someone. Number two, you're going to pray. What? Huh? What do you say? Enjoy your communion with the Spirit. All right? Number three, expect the language to change. Number four, expect the Holy Spirit to take over. Okay? And just connect your mouth to your heart and just let it flow. All right? Okay, come. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you. And Lord God, we practice the word of God by praying in the spirit right now, Lord God. So Father, I just pray for your grace and your blessing upon every one of us, O Lord of God. Father, help us, Lord God, to pray in the Holy Spirit right now. Zebri bama de la brocoribate. No zebala beri mate la broco de da barikena. Zobri babari bande de tana broco de. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now just listen to him. Listen to him asking. 
Amen. Anyone heard anything from the Lord as you were praying? Yes? So learn to practice praying in tongues because you will locate that channel. And that channel is where the still small voice comes from. Okay? Hallelujah. Topic number nine. Now we begin. Introduction to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When John, the last of the 12 apostles, died, the emphasis on spiritual gifts slowly diminished and became outdated. Now, it doesn't mean that it was God's will. It's just that the believers, the churches, did not have the understanding to continue in the gifts. Now, many theologians say today there is a branch of theology called cessationism which says that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. Okay? Pentecostals believe in continuationism. You can write it down. Continuationism, which believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue even to this day. Now, there are no verses in the Bible that say the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. They just take scriptures out of context they misapply it and they come up with arguments that has convinced a large section of the body of Christ but there are so many scriptures that give us proof that the gifts of the spirit are still for today okay every time there has been revival the supernatural working of the gifts have been in manifestation even in the history of the Catholic Church, they've always had miracles and the gifts of the Spirit. In the dark ages of church history, 700 AD, 900 AD, and so on, there were always people who were moving in the miraculous. Point B, early in the 1900s, outpouring of the Spirit in the United States, in Europe, and other parts of the world spread and merged into a worldwide spiritual renewal. This came known as the Pentecostal movement or Pentecostal renewal. It started with the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles in 1906. At the same time, there was revival in India, also in Pune, and other parts of the world, and also in Wales. Point number C, from the 1950s through 70s, spiritual gifts infiltrated mainline denominations. That happened during the charismatic renewal among the Catholics, Baptists, almost every denomination, Charismatics began to emerge. That was also the time when the Promise Keeper movement started, and entire stadiums of people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues and miraculous healings were experienced by mainline denominations. This became known as a charismatic movement. Since the devil was unable to hold back revival and its truth, he now tries to make it unacceptable because of the misuse or misunderstanding of the gifts of the Spirit, especially about tongues. How many of you have heard that tongues are of the devil? Okay. Now, if you were the devil, what would you do? You would make sure tongues don't exist in the church. Why? Because the devil cannot understand tongues. When you pray in English, can he understand you? Yes, I'm not saying don't pray in English. Okay? Now, I'm not saying every 
time you pray, the devil is listening. I'm not saying that. But praying in tongues enables you to pray at a higher level, spirit to spirit. God is a spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, using your spirit through your mouth, praying to God, right? So if I was the devil, I would make sure there are no tongues in church. Because tongues destroys my kingdom. So, guess where the teaching, the tongues of the devil has come from? From the devil. Why is there so much misunderstanding about tongues when it's in the Bible? Now, why is there so much misunderstanding about the gospel of grace? If I was the devil, what would I focus on? In the church. Huh? Come on, tell me. Think like the devil. You all used to think like the devil in the past. Come on. If you were the devil, what doctrine do you want in the church? Huh? What? If you were the devil, what doctrine do you want in the church? The law. Because it kills. It condemns. It brings people into bondage. Ah. And if you preach grace... People say hyper grace. Too liberal. So if you put so much misunderstanding in the doctrine of grace, you know who does that? The devil. Have you seen Indiana Jones movie? And the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Indiana Jones and the Temple of whatever, whatever. They have to go and find the treasure, right? And the treasure is always kept in a place where there are so many traps. Darts will come, stones will fall, people will, you know, fall through the rocks and die. Why? Because the treasure. They want to protect the treasure. So there are so many traps around the treasure. So, why are there so much misunderstanding around tongues? Because the devil doesn't want you to find the treasure of tongues. Why so much misunderstanding about grace? The devil doesn't want you to find the treasure of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have to go to the Bible. And on the Bible only be convinced what it says about gifts and about tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. Spiritual gifts. Underline that spiritual gifts. The word there is charismata, it's plural, and it literally means the workings of the Spirit. Okay? Let me give you some points about spiritual gifts. Number one, spiritual gifts cannot be earned. You cannot earn spiritual gifts. It comes by grace. That means you cannot lose spiritual gifts either. Many people nuggle and say, Pastor, when I was six years old, I received tongues, but I lost it. <laughs> you didn't lose tongues. It's there. You just don't know how to practice it, how to use it. Okay? Spiritual gifts cannot be earned. Number two, spiritual gifts do not make you mature. So just because you have a gift of the Spirit does not mean that you are a mature believer. Which was the church that Paul said is babies? Huh? Carnal, 
the Corinthian church, right? It was the most immature church in the New Testament. And yet that church was speaking in tongues the most. This is very important for Nagaland because in Nagaland, the moment you speak in tongues, prophet, very mature. The moment you prophesy a little bit, prophetess in colony. Every colony has prophetess. Dangerous to call people prophet, prophetess if it's not from the Lord. Amen. Point number two, point number three. The word gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 is in italics, right? Which means it was not in the original Greek. So it would be more accurate to say the manifestations of the Spirit or the operations of the Spirit. So these are not gifts like a gift and then you can use anytime you want at your will. No. It's not as you will, right? Can you prophesy at will? No, it's as the Spirit moves. It's as the Spirit wills. Can you use the gift of healing at will? If you could, then everyone you pray for should be healed. Amen. Hallelujah. They are not in a control, but in the control of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That means you can be very immature, a babe in Christ, and still have the gifts of the Spirit. There are two main purposes for the gift. Number one, so that the work of Christ can be done through us. The work of Christ can be done. And number two, to bless the whole church. To edify the body of Christ. Also used for evangelism. Another use of the gifts is this. To prove that Jesus is alive. Now, at 6 p.m. you have dinner, right? What time you have dinner? 6. How do you know it's dinner time? There's someone below the whistle? In the hostel? So when the whistle is blown, do you go and stand in front of the whistle? Uh-huh. Where do you go? You go to the table. You don't eat the whistle. You eat the food, right? But the whistle tells you, food is here. Food is here. Ah, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it points you to Jesus Christ. The gift of the Spirit is not to point to the man. The gift of the Spirit, it shows us that, wait a minute, God is alive. Because through the gift of the Spirit, people get healed, delivered. They get wisdom, counsel. Amen. Another purpose of the gift is this. They are God's love language. Okay. It's a way of God revealing, manifesting His love for His body, for His children. Okay. Now, how the gift of the Holy Spirit operate is it is true love and grace. Okay? So let's say this is a ship. Right? You're on the ship. And this is the water. How you will be able to operate in the gift of the Spirit is very simple. This is called grace. Grace. Gifts come by grace. 
That's why it's called charisma. Charisma, from the Greek word charis, which means grace, right? Grace. So when you understand the grace of God, then the gift is able to float on the grace of God. So, grace is the foundation of the gift. And of course, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Okay? So, when your heart is in a place of grace and love, the love of God, then the gifts will all flow and operate. And it is love that makes it powerful. Why does God want to use you to prophesy to someone? To show people that you are so good? To minister to that other person, right? Because God loves the broken. God loves the sick. Yes or no? So, the gifts are not for impressing people. Write it down. Many times, people want to exercise the gift to impress people. Look how anointed I am. Look how powerful I am. The gifts are not to impress people. The gifts are to bless people. And God wants to bless people. So if your heart is in the place of love, love makes the gift fruitful. Amen. Hallelujah. The relationship of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. It's in your notes. The fruit are related to the inward work of the Holy Spirit. They pertain to our Christian living and are part of the way the Holy Spirit ministers to us. The fruit have to do with the way we live, the way we relate to others, and the way we show Jesus' nature. The gifts are related to the outward works of the Holy Spirit. They pertain to our Christian service and are part of the way the Holy Spirit ministers through us. The gifts are as essential for Christian service as the fruit are for Christian living. They cannot work independent of each other. They are in agreement with and complement each other. The fruit are primary. The gifts attend the fruit. That means they accompany. A person can be a Christian without acknowledging the gifts of the Spirit. Right? But a person cannot be a Christian without bearing the fruit. Yes or no? Yes. So, which is greater? The gift or the fruit? Well, actually, they are the same. Amen. But, in terms of wisdom and understanding, practical living, the gifts can be impressive, explosive, heal, deliver people. But, it is the character that will convince people. The character will make people trust you. The gift will make people be impressed by you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What chapter is it about? Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. What chapter is it about? Tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What chapter is it about? Gifts. So, look here. You have gifts, love, gift. Right? The gift of the Spirit, the love of God, and then again you have speaking in tongues. So you have a sandwich that's called sandwich of gifts and fruit. Now, if you go to KFC and you order the chicken burger there, right? If they give you only bread and bread, will you be happy? Huh? <laughs> will you be satisfied? You'll throw it back at them. 
Now, if they give you only the chicken, will you be happy? Huh? No. You want the chicken between the buns, right? So, gifts and fruits are important. It doesn't happen separately. God wants both to be in the church. But some people, they emphasize more the gifts. That's what I said. They will go prophesy, they will cast out demons, come back home, fight with the husband. (laughs) They will talk gossip about all the leaders, but they will prophesy. So they have gifts, but they have no fruit. And some people have fruit. They don't smoke, they don't drink, but they're always very full of no joy, no peace, critical of charismatics, very dry. No presence of God in their life. Do you want that alone? No. You need fruit and you need character. Jesus had character. And Jesus had the gifts working through his life. Hallelujah. So, both are important. Amen. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700-568-4533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.